the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. Welcome to the healthcare rap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators and digital teams. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 170 episodes and three years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about reducing the number of hospital beds. What would a world with fewer hospital beds look like? And what should we do now to maximize the opportunity? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I share some provocative thinking about learning the language of innovation. How do you become comfortable bringing up these new tools when you don't feel like you're an expert? This episode is jam-packed and Zane and I have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. You ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. What would a world look like with fewer hospital beds? And what are the implications for the different types of healthcare organizations? I recently listened to Ed Mark's interview with Jane Saracen Khan on the Digital Voices podcast, and quite frankly, it blew my mind. Here are some of the key takeaways. First, the home as the health hub is happening, moving acute care to home and turbocharging self-care. Second, her top piece of advice for patient experience is to get a design-minded person on staff or a design firm to consult with especially if you're looking to create an experience that's born financially out of pocket for consumers. Third, she said hospitals should plan three years from now to have 50% of the beds that they operate now. That last point might stop you dead in your tracks. While some have seen this trend coming, few have projected that it will come that fast. Which leads me to ask, what would a world with fewer hospital beds look like? The simple answer is a world where healthcare is truly democratized. For consumers, it's a world where we've moved from healthcare to health where we're openly and actively promoting choices for health and wellness to start at home, and where healthcare professionals finally empower their patients. For digital health startups, such as remote patient monitoring and hospital-at-home technologies, it's the potential beginning of the promise that they've made for years of using connected platforms to make healthcare easier. For disruptors, including retailers, consumer health companies, and direct primary care, it's validation that their collective efforts are paying off and that consumers are starting to better understand their new array of choices 
choices rather than feel stuck to that high deductible menu. Finally, for the number crunchers who are desperately clinging to a fee-for-service world, it hopefully means an expedited exit to their way of thinking. Regardless of whenever it turns out that we start seeing the trend of fewer hospital beds, it's time now to embrace the fact that consumers have new sets of choices for their health and wellness. It's just another step in building the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. Hey Zane, man, I was so excited that we got to kick off season six last time we chatted. I can only imagine how things, what was resonating with you or what kind of stood out to you as we were diving into a few of the tools in this new tool set. How have things been? What's on the top of your mind lately? Things are going well, Jared. Things are calm here in Detroit as we're getting through the summer. We've been getting back to some of our normal work here at the hospital system I work for. And a lot of it actually aligns with a lot of what we're talking about right now around our consumer journeys, patient journeys, and trying to improve our experience. We've certainly learned a lot through COVID and we've made a lot of great gains. And so we want to start to memorialize that and keep it going. So we're busy launching projects all across the place and uh, it's starting to feel like we're back to normal, so to speak, which is super weird since the last year and a half has been insane. No, that is a good feeling. I hope we keep getting signals that that's the case. Which brings up a very random question, Zane. Mm. If uh, for somebody like me who has not been to Detroit or Windsor, if I could spend a day in the area, anything that you would recommend, like what's the the must see thing I've got to do or experience in Detroit? Well, probably two. So maybe there's two things. So one of them is there's quite a few like really historic buildings downtown Detroit. It's like the Guardian Building. So I'd go in there and you know, have a look at the beautiful mosaic and mural that they have in there, and some of the just interesting architecture and there's like gargoyles in the buildings and there's like a huge story behind a lot of them. That would be one. The the second thing would be to go and see Detroit's Eastern Market, which is still, I don't know if it's one of the largest still functioning markets in America. So it's not just like a hipster farmer's market. It's an actual, you know, food, commercial food market. And then it does turn into a hipster farmer's market on the weekends. And then thirdly, and this can also be appreciated from the Windsor side of the Detroit River, is just the waterfront and the, um, oh gosh, on the Windsor side, it's just, you know, Riverside Park and the trail. And then on the Detroit side, they have a similar trail that just runs basically from the Ambassador Bridge all down the waterfront. It's beautiful for walking, running, biking. We can't use horses yet, but uh, scootering. There's scooters both in Detroit and Windsor. And so really enjoying the Detroit River and all that that has to offer would be one of the top things I would do. Well, I can't believe it took me this many episodes to ask you that because now I'm really excited to, to head that <laughs> way at some point. So we're going to make it happen. Yeah, I mean, what is interesting, Jared, is the border is still closed to non-essential travel. So that's been a huge, huge pain point for this region since we are so integrated and cross-border. And so we're hoping in the next few weeks that finally both Canadians and Americans um, can cross back into each other's country for non-essential purposes, which touring the Guardian building would be a non-essential purpose. Yeah, well, you know, maybe it's like non-essential, but if you're a friend of Zane, yeah, you, know, you can, uh, yeah, yeah I might play that. I'll play that card. And we'll Absolutely. see how that goes. <laughs> awesome. What we look forward to here in season six, you know, where we hope we get to, like what points on this journey we hope we get to. And you mentioned, you hope that we can learn more about the language of this new tool set that we're talking about. We mentioned some management methods, essentially. I think we landed on the fact that that, that's one good way to refer to the types of tools we are talking about. 
ways to, to manage projects, but also the design phase itself. We talked about design thinking, we talked about project management, waterfall and agile and what the difference is and how those things can connect. And it led me to think, you know, I could put myself in these shoes really, really easily because I've definitely been in this place. In some degrees, I still am in this place where I agree, like from what, when I pick up things, when I hear about things, I, I've learned a lot from our past guests about these methodologies, about these tools. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. That does sound like a good tool that I need to have in my tool set, but I haven't been trained in it. You know, I've been trained in other things. I've had experience in other things. I haven't really gone through any kind of professional education, formally or informally, where I felt like I was competent enough to talk about it or even bring it up in a meeting, even though I knew it could be a valuable tool for us. And so I think a place we want to get to today is to become more comfortable bringing some of these tools up you know, having the conversations around them, even if we're not an expert in them. I think it's a fallacy to think that you can't bring up an idea for using a tool just because you're not an expert with it. And that's the point I I think we want to get to in our organizations. If we don't do that, then we're going to wait for somebody else to come in. And it might take a while. Some of these methods are a lot more mainstream than others. Some of them are a lot more common, but it's knowing which tools to involve in which project at any given time. And if you don't know what the tools are, if you're just like, yeah, I don't know if I can even bring that one up because let's face it, especially the larger organizations or the larger teams that are involved, we're human. We don't want to look stupid in front of our peers. We want to feel like we know what we're talking about. If somebody gets an inkling that you don't know what you're talking about, it might come out, you know, they might say something or at the very least, they're not going to fully buy in to the direction you're talking about. So we do need some level of competence in what we're talking about. Some of the tools that you and I have mentioned and that we want to get into more this season are ones that we talked about last week, design thinking, waterfall, agile. There are a whole other set of things that ideation management, service design, uh, business model innovations, uh, value proposition canvases, all sorts of other tools that are related. So needless to say, there's a lot of them. This isn't just one tool in and of itself. Where do we get the confidence to even talk about these things and bring them up if we're not an expert? Sure, you know, that's a really good question. I think you know, one thing that I've learned from mentors and now have been in healthcare long enough, I've been seeing it happen. And that is this you know, adage that what's old is new again, right? And what I, what I have found in learning about all these new tools and using some of them is really they're just they're just new names for things we already know to be true or understand. And so, for example, in in healthcare especially, there's a lot of acumen around lean process improvement six sigma, which a lot of that comes out of an uh, you know an industrial engineer's background. It's made popular by you know the Toyota production system scaled to the United States, and there's a lot of people in healthcare who are trained in that understand it. And so what I would say to people like that and and to recognize that some of what we're talking about is that, but with like new codes, new words, you know, maybe prettier concept boards and and switched up just a little bit. And so a perfect example is a big term in in all these different tools that we talk about and we talked about last week is this, this need for empathy, right? Really just understanding the customer, understanding what their problems really are. And you can draw the link to more traditional tools, like I said, in Lean or Six Sigma, where a lot of those teams are trained to go and do Gemba walks. They call it Get to Gemba, which means like go and actually see the problem. Like if you're 
you know, if the production line isn't working, go there. Like, why isn't it working? Is is this off? Is the light off? Is it not plugged in? What's wrong? And so again, the theories and the concepts are similar. And I would encourage people like don't don't be afraid to, you know, take these new tools that we're going to teach and make them be your own. Use the concepts that may be already familiar in your organization, like Lean or Six Sigma or like these Gamba walks, you know, in, in parenthesis as sort of what it means to go and, and do empathy. Also, a lot of you know, a lot of empathy, a lot of defining the problem, which is another term that is brought up in a lot of these tools, is very similar. And, and pr- frankly, it's just a light version of qualitative research, which a lot of health systems, especially academic ones, have a lot of expertise in that space. So again, it's not necessarily completely new methods. It's really just repurposing old methods with new terms and maybe simplifying a little bit and making it more palatable for others. Another big sort of concept in all these tools and almost all of them and all these methods, sorry, is this desire or this need to prototype and ultimately test whatever your product or solution is. Sometimes that doesn't happen, as you know, traditionally until it's too late. And a lot and all this whole notion of product or prototyping, testing, iterating is very similar to process improvement, plan, do, check, act cycles that a lot of people are familiar with. And so, you know, we, we come up with a new improvement, we test it, did it work? If it didn't work, let's figure out why it didn't. If it didn't work enough, let's tweak a little bit to make it even more effective, test it again, and then ask those same questions. That's really what we're talking about, you know, when we talk about prototype testing iterate within a design thinking framework. It's really the same thing, but maybe just more of a product focus and less of a process focus. And so really, I just encourage people, like as intimidating as it may sound, just look for what the ultimate concept is beneath these terms and try to find ways to see how you're already an expert in that by maybe just having known about that concept in a a different term, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good way to to kind of introduce this. Because again, if, if we just wait for a, a quote unquote expert to, to show up in your organization, right. one of two things happens. The most common thing is everyone sees that as a threat. Everyone who recognizes it, that, that somebody else is here with some supposed new, you know, new terminology and they're saying how effective it can be. And that threatens some people in the organization who have got to where they are and are, you know, are managing things probably pretty well with the methods that they've been you that they've learned that they've absolutely you know been taught over the years and experienced so they're yep. you know it's trying to be very real like with the human element here yep well by way of example you know at the organization i work for the most passionate people about design thinking because it's been introduced in our our organization are our lean six sigma process improvement experts who are now going out and teaching it to the organization and they came to the realization that Really, this is just a, a, a very modern way of explaining some of the fundamentals we already know. And so we got engineers out there now teaching design thinking to some of the leaders that we work with and teams. And it's been fantastic. That's a really good point because you're right. That is one of the more common ways that I've seen some of these concepts introduced is under that that lean umbrella and yeah, business process improvement, which sometimes takes part in, in different parts of the organization and, and doesn't necessarily lead out to all the you know, parts that are more involved in a digital consumer part, you know, touching part of the business, meaning marketing, business innovation, clinicians, frontline, frontline staff. So I think it's a great 
kind of way to realize that the, you know, one way that this is helpful for us is to realize that, the, like you said, there probably are some components of these methodologies that have been proven that are being taught and, and used as management techniques in our organizations mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. And the more we understand how similar they are, you mentioned, you know, we can, you can take parts of all of them and, and combine it together to be the method that works for a particular problem for solving one particular need. And one other thought on that, I think another reason why it's important to try to start bringing these things up more, even when you don't consider yourself a total expert on something. If you know there's some good in exploring a direction, if you know very clearly, you know, if you were on a hike or, you know, you're, you're on a journey of some kind and you very clearly know we've been going west. We need to start heading south. You might not know exactly how far south you need to go, but you, but it's very clearly like, you know, you need to change the direction a little bit. You don't wait to keep going in the direction you were and then decide, oh, well, we should have gone south, but we didn't because we didn't know everything about that direction. It's like you, you just change direction a little bit, like just Absolutely. start going, like yep. have some milestones along the way. And what that's going to do is, is use these methods to help drop some of the silos within the organization, because in changing direction, you're most likely going to have different people involved in trying to solve a problem. And it might be a little uncomfortable because you're like, well, we've never involved that team in this decision before, but you're like, well, listen, if you bring the same people to the table, odds are you're going to get the same result. So if you want to change the result, start by figuring out, do you need to bring different people to the table? Yeah. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. When I like what you talk about like exploring and so some of these more modern methods particularly design thinking is all about exploring and so that's where their cultural rub comes up with or can can come up against your organization culture is because things aren't necessarily defined from the beginning like you would see in you know traditional methods it really is just about exploring what are all the potential problems that our patients and customers have and then how might we solve them 
And so in a sense, you really have to trust the process and be comfortable with that ambiguity. Um, but in my experience as an innovator, in-house innovator, we have uncovered some of the coolest projects just by being explorative instead of trying to plot the path the whole way to the end. We've come up with like cool ideas, cool projects, cool concepts and things we've never thought of before because we kept the conversation expansive and, and inclusive as opposed to trying to be so narrow about what we're trying to do. Right. You know, in the best case, that helps it avoid turning into a uh, finger pointing or taking credit yeah. exercise, you know, where you're right, I'm wrong, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. We all know that's not productive. And that is not one of the tools and the tool set that we are recommending this no, season. <laughs> heck no, heck no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we've all been in those meetings or on those calls where that happens, even uh, either explicitly or implicitly. You know, it's the after chat. <laughs> it's the, yes. the text string after the call. Do you really think they meant that? You know, like that, that part of it, that is very much something that can get in the way. I feel like the, this new tool set, one, you know, my favorite kind of last thoughts on it is how inclusive it feels. These types of thinking, these methodologies don't say this team owns this, uh, this person owns that. It's like, is very much a whoever needs to be part of this, let's see what they've got to offer. Uh, that's one of the commonalities in just about every one of these, uh, these new methods that we're talking about this season. Anything that has anything related to design thinking, human-centered design elements in it, it's based on empathy. And so at its core, it is not based on competition or authority or, you know, it's not authoritarian in any way, shape or form. So mm -hmm. it's not relying on some patriarchal order of, oh, well, you've had this, you've been in this position for this many years or, you know, you've just had XYZ types of successes it brings people to the table with a variety and a diversity of ideas that is most likely what you need 99.9 .9 times out of 100 mm -hmm. to solve the problem in the right way so that you don't have to go through the exercise and solve it again a year later. It is a way to break down the silos at the end of the day. Absolutely. And, you know, a big part of, um, you might've heard of the term, like what do you call it? design diamonds? And sometimes, um, I think they call them that sometimes, the um, design thinking methods laid out in a concentric set of diamonds. And when, you know, on the first part of the diamond is going out, they refer to that as um, a divergent thinking, which you're just describing now, where you like explore all possible realms within the problem you're trying to solve or, you know, all the pro possible problems, so on and so forth. And then you converge when you go down the diamond, which is then to refine, okay, if these are all the problems, here's the ones we think we can solve. And then you do it again. You say, okay, well, how do we solve that problem? Here's all the possible solutions. And then you converge again and say, okay, this is the solution we'll focus on. And so it's a great way to, it's a great method that helps all team members see the full breadth and depth of the issue that you're playing, the whole space that you're playing in, which ultimately makes, leads to better solutions and product market fit. Well, that's our goal, isn't it? Yeah, product market fit. Let's do this in the right way so that it gives us the best chance of achieving that. Absolutely. I feel like the destination on this part of the journey is an improved understanding, less short-sightedness, breaking down some silos, helping everyone understand how their part really does tie into other parts, how their idea connects with other ideas from other areas of the organization that you might not expect at first. And again, it's not based on any sense of authority or 
who's got senior after their, their title, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing, because yeah. we, we all know, you know, if we're, if we're being real about this, we all know that that plays into it. And we start talking about group think and how ideas yeah. get shut down because somebody's just not as aggressive in a meeting and the same people like to hear themselves talk, yes. you know, in, in the meeting and, and everyone agrees and nods and they think they have consensus. And when it's really, everyone just wants to be done with the meeting. And so yeah. that doesn't get us anywhere. We want Agreed. to get somewhere with all these tools. And I'm really looking forward to going into depth even more on some of these as we get into the season, bringing on some guests who've had experience doing that exact thing. What else are you looking forward to this season? No, maybe no, not so much what I'm looking forward to, but just one reflection is earlier in last season, we talked about like, what is the role of an innovation team or digital strategy team? As, as we're talking this through, I'm starting to think that the role of those teams is potentially to be experts at some of these tools and be the shepherds or facilitators in using them across, you know, whichever company work or system. And, you know, sort of being the coach or in Scrum, you'd be like the Scrum master that walks people through the different steps to make sure that whichever programs or projects that you're working on are getting done correctly. And um, yeah, that's what I think about that. Man, fantastic. I'm really excited about this season, man. This is really getting me uh, pumped up about where we're going to go. Great. Thanks so much for your insights here. Can't wait to dig into a couple more of these. We, we've got a lot more tools to talk about on the season <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll keep going from there. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Jared. Have a good one. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health, really any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod. Thanks so much to Zane and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, please, this is so important to us. Could you please subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. And don't forget to subscribe to the Shift.Health YouTube channel featuring season two of Now What? Go check it out at Shift.Health. It's all free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap. Thank you.